Man, so exciting every time that we get to uh, gather together like this and worship together uh, corporately. Like, this isn't the church you like I know. It's a school. Uh, but even when we move into our more uh, permanent facility, uh, that's not going to be the church as well uh, because we are the church. So we don't go to church, but we gather as the church. So whenever we leave a building, that place just ceases to be the church. It just goes back to being the building. But when we gather together, this is the church gathering. And so I look forward, forward to every single Sunday morning because I get to gather together uh, with family. And I'm thankful for my family of origin, but I'm also thankful uh, for you, my spiritual family uh, as well. So, so excited to see uh, your face in the place uh, this morning. For all those who's going to connect later in the week on YouTube, uh, so excited to, I can't see you, but to know you're over there. Uh, and, and listen, if you're out and traveling, uh, every Monday at 11 a.m., uh, the message is available uh, to, str- to stream on YouTube. Uh, all you got to do is go to YouTube, search The Becoming Church, and uh, hit subscribe so that it'll notify you uh, when the message is uploaded. But, hey, I'm excited. Uh, today uh, we're closing out our collection called I Love My City. Uh, this is week four. This was supposed to just be a two-week micro-collection. But it then just kept expanding. And so today, uh, we're going to bring it to a close uh, today. And I'm excited to dive into it. And the idea of the collection was really about this. Like, God has called all of us here to this city. Some of us like the fact that he's done that. Some of us, we do not like the fact that he's done that. But regardless of where you are on that spectrum, like, the truth is this. God has us here And he has us here for a reason, for a purpose. And I believe that he wants to use all of us to advance his cause here in this city. And now when I say city, I understand some of us may live in Athens or Madison or Huntsville. um, But, you know, we're going to call it Huntsville and keep it moving because it's easier for me just to say it that way. Okay. If you like, yo, there's a difference between Madison and Huntsville. Let's just go to coffee after and we'll talk about it. Okay. (laughs) But. Let's love where we live. Let's pray where we, about, uh, for where we live. And just maybe God may use us and do something uh, unique in us. Because we're not just here to exist, uh, but we're here to, to make a difference. We're here to be uh, salt and light in this city and in the different spheres of influence that the Lord has given us. And for some of us, that's our job. For some of us, uh, that's our family. And listen, there's, there's no idea of I just do this. Like, no, you are where you are for a reason. You can be a difference maker. You can be an agent of change. So whatever it is that the Lord has called you to express your calling to Jesus, take it full on because he wants to use you to do something unique with what he has given you. There's a story. If I mention names, I'm going to start. I'm probably going to mess the names up. But there was this evangelist that came over uh, from the U.K., And he was doing this uh, tent revival uh, in Charlotte. And he just preached his heart out all week to all these people. And there was one person who accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And later he's looking back like, yo, what a complete failure. Well, listen, that one person ended up being Billy Graham that said yes to Jesus. 
And you look at the difference in how the Lord used Billy Graham, literally millions said yes to Jesus from uh, the ministry of Billy Graham before he uh, passed on to be with the Lord. So never discount what you're doing because you never know who the person, uh, the people around you that the Lord has given influence with. So never take on this approach, well, I just. You're more than just an I'm just. No, you are called of the Lord, and he wants to use you in a unique and special way. Amen? Well, hey, we're going to jump in to this collection using uh, Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. So you can track with me there. Turn with me there if you got old school, the hard copy, or if you new school, scroll with me there. Or if you like, yo, I don't have neither of those, you can watch right here on the screen. But Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says this. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, Complete my joy. This is Paul talking. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of of others. Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your grace, your love, and your mercy. God, thank you for these moments that we share. Lord, I pray over these next few moments, Lord, that you give us insight. Uh, God, let us to see something, Lord, uh, that you want to show us. Let us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. And Lord, we thank you for your word. God, that your word is alive and it's active and it speaks to us today, right where we're at today. God, we love you, and we thank you for these moments. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Come on, come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Family, I talk about my kids a lot. It's clear, okay? I feel like all these stories are always something centered around kids. But since having kids has just opened up a whole different, like, perspective of life, there's so many lessons when you have kids, but since having them, I've discovered like this, this new phenomenon It's this. Your parents completely toss every single thing out of the window that you had to abide to when you have kids. Here is what I'm saying. Grandparents do not listen. And what you could not get away with, your kids can get away with. Can I get a good amen? Right there. Like, I sit back and I watch our parents, my parents, Katie's parents, and I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Are you really doing that right now? No, it is 10 o'clock at night. They do not need that. They don't need another popsicle. I don't care that they asked for it. The answer is no. And please, can you stop buying them toys? Have you been upstairs? If I step on another Paw Patrol trying to get across the room, like I stepped on one so bad, like the bottom of my foot was swollen. I was like, okay, you got to take me to TOC, sports med. Like, they're going to have to do surgery. I would toss that thing so hard, I was mad at that thing. <laughs> like, if I step, like, no more toys. Like, please. So recently, my parents were by the house, and they didn't come over with a toy, but they came over with money. Knowing that the kids are going to do what? They're going to want to go buy a toy. 
So they had $10, and so we went to Target. That's enough to pray right there. Like, you're going to Target. Good Lord. Uh, so they went to Target. We were at Target. Actually, I think Katie and the kids beat me there. I was coming from somewhere else, and I met them there. And I stepped right into the moment. It's where they realized I got $10, but now I got to make sure I can afford it. Because I was like, yo, we're not adding nothing to this. So y'all cover the taxes and the inflation and all that because we, we're not covering or adding anything to this. And so I think Isaiah, he picked a toy. That thing cost $54 or something. i like, buddy, you're going to have to scale that all the way back, like all the way back. And I think Titus picked something that was like $20. Zoe really doesn't care because she's like, whatever y'all get, I'm going to take anyway. So I'll keep my money. I'm going to take what you got. And so we're like, yo, y'all can't get these toys. Like, Granny and Papa gave y'all money, and it's $10, and you're going to have to figure something out. But there was another toy that if they put their money together, they could afford. afford. And this was the moment of truth because, you know, it's, it's two brothers. So, you know, the idea of sharing, it's not always there, so, and especially a toy. And they're 16 months apart, so, you know, it's all types of, you know, sometimes conflict going on. And so I'm, I'm just watching, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to, like, settle for something less that they can get on their own? Or will they come together and put their money together and actually get the better toy and agree to share it? So I'm sitting watching. It's like, you know, in a tense moment. You know, it's like one of those game shows where, you know, they got the music going. It's like, hold on, what's going to happen? And sure enough, would you believe that they actually decided on unity? They decided to unite and to share their toys. That, that was a big deal. And so far, it's, it's going well, I think. You know, it has its moments. But it, it went well. I was really surprised but proud at the same time. But I mention that because could it be that they're showing us the roadmap, that they're showing us they've laid out the blueprint that we must choose unity, that in a world and culture that uh, promotes, you know, self gratification, you know, do you, be you, and care only about you that has created this world that is inward focus rather than outward focus. But I believe the Lord, in fact, I know the Lord is calling us towards unity. He's calling us to pursue something that is bigger than ourselves. But the only way for us to pursue something that is bigger than ourselves is for us to choose unity. So as we close out this collection, I Love My City, my prayer is that we would live united, that we would choose unity so that we can really make a difference here in this city. Because oftentimes the thing that is missing, sometimes we sit back like, man, what's missing? What is it? What's not allowing us to make the difference? The answer to that, friends, is unity. And so as we dive in, to give some context to the text, Philippians is known as one of the prison epistles or prison letters uh, because like uh, Colossians, Ephesians, and others, it was written while Paul uh, was in prison. And so that this church, the church in Philippi, was the first Christian church that was planted in Europe, and it was planted by Paul during his second uh, missionary journey. In fact, they were the only church to actually support uh, Paul's ministry financially. And the church itself, it didn't have 
many issues, but in his writing uh, to the church, Paul addressed some possible divisions within the church. And those divisions were centered around false teachers who had kind of made their way into the church, but it also centered around some disagreeing members that were already within the church itself. Now, in terms of unity, when we hear the word unity, we often think of uniformity. But unity and uniformity are not the same. Unity is the result of internal work, right? Unity comes from this work that has happened inside, this, this almost light bulb kind of moment, while uh, uniformity is the result of external work. So unity, meaning this, unity comes from a transformed heart. Or perhaps maybe you didn't see something one way, but through the transformation of your heart, you now see it this way. While uniformity comes from applied pressure. Almost sometimes when you are dealing with your kids in the heat of the moment, no, you will do it this way. You understand what I'm saying? Uniformity comes from applied pressure, not from a transformation of the heart. So unity and uniformity are not the same thing. Unity is internal work. Uniformity is external. Are y'all tracking with me? So this is why Paul makes his appeal in Philippians 2, uh, specifically verses 1 and 2, where he says, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one and of one mind. So here's what Paul was getting at. He was saying, listen, does it mean anything to you that you are in Christ? Is there any significance to the fact that you belong to Christ? Does the work of Jesus, does it mean anything to you? Then if it does, then unity is worth having. Unity is worth fighting for. If unity isn't worth fighting for, then Here's what Paul is saying. We're choosing a selfish life, and a selfish life is always because of pride. Now, we often, around here, we often express this, that individuals united can turn dreams into a reality, right? We believe that, that individuals united can turn dreams into a reality. And we believe that God is doing something special and unique in our city. I mean, come on, just hop in the car and drive around. There's a lot of, of change, a lot of, of progression, a lot of movement, a lot of different things that's happening in our city. And I don't just believe that in the sense of new structures and amenities and things of that nature, but I believe that it's also setting the stage for God to do a work in the city. Because some of you may have even, are, are a result of that. You've moved here maybe in the last six months, eight months, the last two years. And I believe that God is bringing you here for a purpose that maybe you haven't even seen yet. But for us to realize that, of the unique things that he's doing in our city. And listen, I believe God is doing something unique in this church. Like, you, you may not feel this way, maybe you do, but I certainly feel this way. A church was, was launched like in a pandemic. That's kind of crazy. That's, that's kind of wild. And it wasn't necessarily the, the, the work of me, the work of the launch team, but it's because it's the work of the Lord. And I believe there's a reason that he needed this church here, along with the other great churches in our city. But there was a reason that the Becoming Church had to be here. And there's a reason why many of you are connecting with it, because God is saying, look, I'm putting you here. I'm positioning you here for a reason that I'm going to reveal to you here. I'm going to do a work in you in this time and in this season. 
And so I believe that for all of that to be more than just potential or more than just a conversation is going to require us to choose unity. Like I think we're literally, I think we're at this point of like really seeing something amazing happen in our city. And, and maybe, just maybe, God wants to use us to do it. But friends, we're not going to be successful in that if we're not united, if we're not together. Like it has to be bigger than one person. It has to be bigger just than, than someone's preference. But it's got to be, Lord, what are you doing? What's your vision? And how can I be a part of that? How can I connect to what you want to do and walk and live in purpose to see something special and unique here? That people are coming in like, yo, how did y'all do it? How did y'all figure it out? It started with unity. We can't get away from it. Like If we're going to accomplish anything significant, anything that lasts, anything that makes a difference is going to require unity. That's why it's one of our values, that unity is our pursuit. We are pursuers of unity. That is something that we desire and it's something that we value here is unity. Like the vision for this church is big. And I'm not going to throw it up on you right now. But the vision for this church is big and it's bigger than one person. And it's going to take all of us committed and united to see what the Lord wants to do in us and through us. Amen? Look at it this way. Think of a, of a snowflake. A snowflake, snowflakes are frail, but if enough of them stick together, they can stop traffic. Let's, let's be some snowflakes that stick together and stop traffic. Let's be some snowflakes that come together and make a difference here in this city. Let's do that. So really quickly, I'm going to give you three reasons, give us three reasons why we need unity. The first reason is this. Unity commands God's blessing. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Unity commands God's blessing. Now you remember, some of you may remember this. Uh, some of you were born and it was already here. If that's you, you get on my nerves, your young self. <laughs> but the early days of social media, and if you don't remember those early days, Facebook memory uh, memories will remind you of them very quickly. And I don't know about for you, but every time they pop up, I just, I just drop my head in shame like, Lord, thank you for transformation because that guy was an idiot. <laughs> I don't know about you. I'm like, I'm just embarrassed. Delete, delete, delete. Get it out of here. But in those early days, everybody was obsessed, uh, obsessed uh, with the hashtag blessed. Do y'all remember that? Like it, it would look like this. You know, maybe you're at the mall early days. There was a mall. So maybe you were at now you pulled up to the mall, and it was packed on a Saturday, and there was an open um, parking spot, and you saw, you was like, oh, hashtag blessed. Or you took a picture, posted it, hashtag blessed. That's what it looked like. Or maybe you were at Chick-fil-A, and, and you noticed that they put some extra fries and an extra uh, Chick-fil-A sauce, and you were like, took a picture, oh, Hashtag blessed, and you posted that. Like, we just overused the hashtag, hashtag blessed. Or maybe, you know, your supervisor didn't show up for work on a Friday at that. And you was like, yo, hashtag blessed. But you just kind of kept that to yourself because you were already on an extended lunch because they weren't there. <laughs> but we used it for everything. But listen, 
The mark of a blessed life is not marked by what car you drive. It's not marked by what home uh, you live in, what vacations you take, or any of that. But a blessed life is based on your willingness to choose unity. That living a blessed life begins by living a united life. And that's the goal of our church. That's the goal of our teams, that we want to be a united church. Like how would it, how amazing would it be that all of us with all of our differences, with, with just the different stories and just the different ways that we got here, that we didn't choose ourselves, but we chose what the Lord had for us. And that we would choose to play whatever part that he would have for us for the goal of advancing the cause of Christ in this city. Like, how cool would that be? Like, we want to be a purposeful church, living in purpose. And family, that requires unity. So sometimes that means it's not our preference. Sometimes it means they didn't sing the song that I wanted them to sing. Sometimes it, it means somebody else is sitting in the seat that I normally sit in. Because it's all of us kind of scaling it back and realizing this thing isn't about me, but it's about more than me. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a part of something that's bigger. Like if I'm just, if I met the ceiling, like that's too small. Like, yo, I want to be a part of something that's bigger than me. Because understand this, all of this is for him, is by him, and it's done through him. It's not about the name of one person. It's not about the name of, of one church but it's about the kingdom of God. In Psalm 133, it says this, How good and pleasant is it when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Look look at what it says there. It says, talking about unity, like how pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, that unity is like, precious oil. So hold that thought. Then verse 3, it says this, if it is, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing. Some translation said, uh, commands his blessing. Where there is unity, there is blessing. So the oil was used to anoint kings and priests. So think about if you're familiar uh, when Samuel went to go anoint David as the next king when God had rejected uh, Saul uh, because of his uh, disobedience, he was anointed with oil. So the oil represents the presence of God. And so the scripture is saying unity is as precious as the presence of God. So that means if that's the case, and it is, then that means, family, unity is worth fighting for. Unity is worth pursuing because unity is as precious as God's presence. Because really, it has to be about the vision of the Lord that he has. Because if there's more than one, then you don't have vision, but you have division, right? So unity is as precious as the presence of God because if there's no unity there, if there's uh, all these different things that have developed, God can't be there because there's no unity. But where there is unity, there is the presence of God. So if we want God's blessing, then we must dwell together in unity. Here's another reason why we need unity. Unity invites the presence of God. And there's a story in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 5 where 
uh, Solomon, King Solomon has built uh, the temple. And so they're moving the, the Ark of the Covenant over to the temple. And he wants to celebrate this moment. This has been years uh, in the making. And so he wants to celebrate this moment. So uh, you got the priests and, and the Levites and musicians and all these people who are getting together to celebrate this moment. And look at verse 13. It says this, the trumpeters and the singers perform together in unison to praise and give thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. They raise their voices and praise the Lord with these words, he is good. His faithful love endures forever. And at that moment, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. What happened in this moment? It was people getting together and deciding working in unity, making the Lord supreme in that moment. You know, the Bible talks about where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But when it's translated, it means this, where the spirit is made Lord, there is freedom. Where he is supreme in authority, there is freedom. So these folks, they got together, they made the Lord supreme in authority, and look what happened. The presence of God filled the temple. They didn't make their opinions authority. They didn't make their thoughts authority. They didn't make their preferences authority. But yet they made the Lord authority in that moment. And when they did, through unity, the presence of God filled the space. What am I trying to say. If we want the presence of God in our life, if we want the presence of God in our family, if we want the presence of God in any space we find ourselves in, family, it starts with being together in unity. That means sometimes we've got to dismiss our preferences. That means sometimes we've got to dismiss our opinions, but we've got to choose unity. We've got to come together and say, this is what matters. We are pursuing the cause of Christ. And it's there that we set the stage for the presence of God to be invited. Because we are making a big deal out of the Lord, rather a big deal out of what we want. In John 12, 32, it speaks to that. When Jesus says this, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. So we got to ask ourselves a question, what are we lifting up? Are we lifting up the agenda of ourselves or are we lifting up the agenda of heaven? Are we lifting up our problems, our struggles, our issues? Yes, they are important, but they are not bigger than the Lord because when you lift him up, you can see what you're dealing with through a different perspective and lens because you are lifting up the name of Jesus. And so now maybe you can get a different perspective for your pain, a different perspective for your hurt, a different perspective of your struggle because you're lifting up the name of Jesus. Oftentimes, many of us, we find ourselves lifting up all of the issues but never lifting up the one who can solve the issues. He says, when I be lifted up, when you lift up my name, I'll draw people to myself. So you're like, yo, Lord, how do I be salt and light? Lift up the name of Jesus. Do you mean literally like sing? No, let it be represented in your life. Let it be represented in the conversations you have. Let it be represented in how you treat people. Let it be represented in how you have faith and how you believe and how you trust God. Let there be a true marker, a true difference in your life. And that way, every single thing you do, it lifts up the name of Jesus because you're not going to have that same proximity with everyone, but people can see you from a distance and see that there is something different about you. And let that be the thing that's like, yo, what is it that's on your life? Like, yo, what is it about you? Because you work at this same place that I work, 
And I know you know they're crazy too. But I don't see that on you. You live in the same world that I live in, but how come you don't respond the way I respond? Because maybe, just maybe, yes, our voice, the gospel needs to be proclaimed, but it also needs to be lived out as well. And so just by maybe, we're lifting up Jesus in that way, and it's drawing people to him. And when we choose Jesus, when we choose his cause, when we choose the kingdom, it sets the stage for the presence of God to be invited. That the cloud by day, the fire by night, is what guided them in the wilderness. We need the presence of God. To want the presence of God is to desire unity because it's unity that invites his presence. And here's the last thing this morning as we get ready to close. Unity protects us. Unity is the key to impacting the community. If we want to make a difference in the community, we got to choose unity. I mean, it's in the name of community. Unity is the greatest commodity that we have. We can't do what God is calling us to do without the spirit of unity. And there is nothing more than the enemy that the enemy would love to do than to come in and get us off mission. And the way that he often comes in to get us off mission is with this tool called offense. A lot of us think offense isn't an issue for us until we get offended. <laughs> until they didn't say hello this morning. Until they didn't respond to me the way they responded to that person. Until this, that, or the other. And then here the enemy comes and it's like, yo, 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 yo. I got some offense for you. So a lot of us, we think offense isn't an issue until we're offended. The best way for us, the best way to try to derail vision is for the enemy to use offense. Why? Because offense is attractable. It's attractive. I'm, I'm big mad. <laughs> oh, they did me wrong. And you going to know about this. <laughs> John Bevere calls it the bait of Satan. Yo, come here. Let me, let me get you over here with this offense. Let me holler at you real quick. But family, we can't choose offense because when we do, we're choosing separation. Separation from each other. Separation from the church. I'm going to pause right there and it's going to be quick because we're going to be talking about this on August 7th. I do recognize that a lot of people in terms of separation from the church, a lot of that exists because of offense and because of hurt and because of pain. And I will never, ever dismiss that because I understand that church hurt and pain and disappointment and all those things are real. But we can't allow the enemy to trick us with this tool because there, nobody in this space is perfect. I'm probably going to offend you if I haven't already. So I'm just telling you now, and it may seem lighthearted right now, but I probably will. But you're going to have to choose to say, I'm not going to take this bait from the enemy. Because here's what he often wants us to do. He wants us to not give each other the benefit of the doubt. Give each, we started this a few years ago with our family. We took a vacation with a two-year-old and a one-year-old to D.C. 
It was a selfish vacation. We wanted to tour all the locations and we just took the kids with us. But Katie and I, we told ourselves that we're going to give each other the benefit of the doubt. It's going to be hot. It's going to be a lot of walking and the kids are going to cry and I'm going to be hungry. And if I respond to you in a way that isn't life-giving, please give me the benefit of the doubt. If I don't respond in a moment that met your expectation, please give me the benefit of the doubt. That changed everything for us, and we still (laughs) apply that today. And so what I'm saying is sometimes we got to learn to give each other the benefit of the doubt because we're all broken, hurting people in some kind of way. We are all on this journey of becoming. And so I know that church may have been the place of some of your greatest moments, but it also may have been the place of some of your greatest disappointments. But can I tell you, and, and you're here, and some of you may be wrestling with, so maybe it's not you that need to hear this, but maybe there are people that you know, don't give up on the church because we're all broken people. But we're on a journey of becoming who the Lord has called us to become. So we're going to disappoint each other, but that doesn't mean we can't come back together. There's a, there's a story in the Bible where it was Paul and Barnabas, they're going out. And Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. And Paul said, no, he ain't coming. Because last time he quit and he deserted. So he ain't coming. And you know what? Paul and Barnabas, they went different ways. But later on, Paul is writing and he says, yo, bring John Mark because he's going to be useful for this work. Just because at some point you may have a, a disagreement or you, someone may disappoint you, it doesn't mean you can't come back together in unity. We can, we can do that. Culture tells us we can't, but we can do that. Because we can't let offense separate us from the church. Because because oftentimes, here's what's said. I love Jesus, but I can't stay in church. I love Jesus, but I don't deal with Christians. Pastoral moment. You can't love Jesus and not love his church. You think you do, but you actually don't. Because here's why. You can't separate the head from the body. You can't do that. And so you're going to have to get back in, connected to the body of believers. You got to know they're broken just like you're broken. But together, individuals united, individuals choosing unity can turn dreams into a reality. But don't give up on the church. Don't don't go through this idea of like, yo, I need to to tear everything down to see what is a reality. It's just people who messed up and they did the wrong thing. And the Holy Spirit will deal with them in their own way. But don't let offense separate you from the church. Because there's no separation of the head from the body in Jesus. He is the head of his church and we are the body. So we got to come together as the church. We must be offensive towards offense. And the best way to be offensive towards offense is to look and study at the life of Jesus. What did he do? Jesus took the lowest seat. Philippians tells us that. That we all want attention, but when we take the lowest seat, we move from needing attention into no longer expecting, to no longer expecting others to pay attention. So I'm not going to be offended if they didn't wave at me the way I felt I needed to be waved at. But here's why this is important. Because a major reason why we get offended is the gap between our expectation 
in our experience. Because those things, because that gap that exists, oftentimes we'll find ourselves in offense. But hey, take the lowest seat. Don't think too highly of yourselves. Consider someone else. Give others their freedom. Don't try to control people. Offense comes in, we try to control people. Give folks their freedom. People need freedom to make their own decisions, even if it's a decision you don't like. Sometimes they make good ones. Sometimes they make bad ones. Either way, it's their decision. Make decisions that promote life in people. So Saul, King Saul was like wild and crazy. He was like trying to kill David, throwing spears at him and all this stuff. And David had this opportunity where Saul was relieving himself and he could have killed him. And David's guy's like, yo, do that. Take him out right now. Here's your chance. But David says this, no, it is a serious sin to attack God's chosen king in any way. So sometimes we got to do things to promote life in people, even though they are doing things to us that don't promote life in us. And when someone offends you, it may seem natural to like, yo, I'm going to pay this back with wrong. But Jesus says there's a better way. Choose to speak life and do things that reveal the heart of God. Because listen, how they respond is not up to you. It's up to them. And then trust God to bring justice when an offense comes. Vengeance belongs to the Lord, not to us. None of us really want true justice if we're being honest. We just want justice in a way for them when they mess with us. We'd rather have grace. Come on. Like it's interesting how we can press judgment for others, but then when it comes for us, when we're in that same spot, we're like, what, what, you know my heart. He's like, yeah, and I knew there's two, and you still wanted to see this. But also dedicate time to the Lord. Get alone with prayer. Get alone in prayer with the Lord. Have some personal Bible study. When we kick off belong groups in September, join a belong group. You have time. One moment in God's presence can change things. It can change everything. And here's the thing that I want us to see today. When you give up your right to be right and instead choose to be unoffended, you can live the life that God wants you to live. So we have to give up our right to be right. We got to instead choose to be unoffended, regardless of the moment, regardless of the situation. I know I'm right. I'm just going to give up my right to be right. I'm going to let the Lord handle that. I'm going to choose to be unoffended. Now, it's a hard thing. It is hard to choose to not be unoffended. But remember, was it last week, a couple weeks ago, we talked about this. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. So maybe even if internally you're dealing with this thing, just be quiet about it. You don't have to share it to nobody. You don't have to go subtweet on Twitter. You don't have to go sub post. So thankful for my family that's in my corner. You know who you are. <laughs> it don't look good on you. When we read it, we all know what you're doing. <laughs> Just stop it. Because if you don't, bitterness is going to settle in. And then once that comes in, family, you're not looking at life through vision, but you're looking at life through bitterness. Choose unity today. 
give up your right to be right and live the life that God has called you to live. Amen. Come on, let's pray this morning.